five, four, three, two. What? So I know, so you know to be quiet and I know to begin. If it's going to make you laugh, I won't do that. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Go ahead. All right. All right. I'm good now. I forgot to do the intro. You're welcome. You're listening to the Dumbo Speak. I was just listening to music. Yeah. Well, let's do it again. It was <laughs> Listening to the Dumb Will Speak, a podcast in which we seek to honor the truth of God as revealed in His Word. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Dumb Will Speak. After a very long hiatus, my name is Roy. I'm Jalen. I want to thank you for being patient with us and, and waiting. Uh, we last posted on April 30th and last recorded March 20th, so we're a little behind schedule, aren't we? Just a little. I mean, we're not too far off, but we're we're bringing it back around. There's been a lot happened since the last time we honestly, I'm not going to say sit at the table because we did sit at the table one time and it was just atrocious. But uh, <laughs> but since the last time we actually have uh, released an episode that we recorded, there has been a lot of things happened in the state of the church, to yeah. be honest with you. Well, and that was what led us to record. And we recorded an entire episode that we have since deleted, decided not to even release. It's never been on our feed and you never will be. <laughs> and, and the feed that led, or the show that led into this was a state of the church where, and and we really talked about how churches have, um, ran with programs instead of the gospel, how they've, uh, we've rushed, you know, we, you know, I thought about this the other day and I actually had somebody tell me this, that, um, this is an opportunity really for churches to get away from those quote unquote programs and and really focus on the gospel and the the preaching and the teaching of the word and exalting Christ and and not running back to just well frankly useless programs. If well, you how about we just let the scriptures be the scriptures, sure. God be God, and the church actually do what the church is supposed to do as a functioning body. And that discussion of the state of the church then led us down a topic of discussion or the topic du jour that uh, was postmodernism. Postmodern, postmodernism, and essentially what that's led to as it's infiltrated the church is woke Christianity, if you want to call it that, for want of a better word. And unfortunately, I mean, <laughs> we're seeing it from people that I wouldn't think I would have seen it. I have a, you have the same Epistles of John commentary that I do from a certain publisher in which the author of that is a president of a seminary. Yeah. Yeah of a large seminary in America where he made a statement just, what, two weeks ago that white privilege in the church and all this stuff and was bringing up basically race-baiting things. And I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. Don't we get enough of that in the news from just our our regular pundits on, on, on news channels? Can't we leave that stuff alone and not bring that into our theology? Didn't Max Licato apologize for a sermon that was several... He was post that now, message several years sure, when he apologized. 10, 12 years before he had been at a certain institution... How did it even come about? That's I, I have not understood. How did it? How did he? Did somebody bring it up to yeah. him, or did yeah. he remember it, or the or college or place wherever it was that he appeared as their as their guest speaker? Someone uh, posted on a forum 
Really? Yeah. Some, okay. Some students posted on a forum of how he shouldn't have been allowed there because of his hate speech. His hate speech was that he didn't believe in gay marriage. We need to talk to our staff about doing better research because I just well, did not have this information in front of me. Yeah, all, all of all, our staff. All of our staff. Yeah. Roy and I. And, and but in all seriousness, that was a question of did he did he bring it up or what? But th- that's no, the someone thing. else did with technology. Everything, everything you, say, you say. Oh, dude, yeah. Because look, let me let me tell you. Uh, there's a te- television show that I, I watched. I haven't watched it this year since it came back. But there was a television show that I was watching, and um, like for six years, and uh, a major cast member was just in between the seasons as of spring of 2020 was fired summarily because of something he posted on Twitter, like in the early days of Twitter when he was very young, when he was a college student. He just said a sort of a stupid fat boy thing that was sort of, I guess, sexist, and so now he's being held held as a misogynist, and he can't he can't work he can't work. Even look at come on, man. Even look at what happened with the show that you and I watch on. Um, it's a miniseries without mentioning the name, but there was one of the ladies that was let go before for her views that they just didn't agree with some people, and she was let go off the show. Sure, I mean, and that's a show right now that's really popular. It comes out in October and. It um, is based on a planet and a galaxy far, 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 far away. away. And, you know, oh, and, so, I, and I'm sad about it. And, and I am too because it I, was I really an integral her part a, of the plot. I, I I thought she had done a knockout job. By the way, I want to tell you, I knew nothing about her prior to that show. Uh, me either. I looked I her up she's on. A UFC I looked fighter. her up on. I, yeah, apparently she was a, a butt kicking woman. I mean, <laughs> you know, I mean, uh, the people that fired her ought to beware. But even, I mean, no, I'm yeah, joking. I mean, but uh, but in all reality, I mean, and, and and she had said some things. Can I say butt kicking on this podcast? Is it okay? Sure. Uh, she, but she had said some, and, and there was some. I don't. Know, I, I wouldn't even call them controversial. I, I mean, she said some opinionated things, and she essentially got fired for her opinion. Her and, hers uh, was on on a on a topic that we're going to get to in a little while. Sure. On, on ontology, the state of being. Yes. And, and, and it involved our modern views of gender. Yeah, and... Apparently she doesn't yeah. have the modern view. Yeah, and... And she said she wasn't trying to be hateful. And I don't think she was. And she I apologized mean. if it offended anyone, but she was just stating, you know, a simple thing. Well, we, we have moved to the reality of... Uh, well, I mean, it goes right along with what we're talking about. I, I My opinion is all that matters, and my opinion is the highest opinion... That there is, and because it's my feelings. Yeah, it's my feelings. Everything is based on feelings, and so it's all relative, and it's relative we, to you and how you feel on any given day. So wait a minute. What if today I think you should call me Mork from Orson, eh. and tomorrow I think you should call me Mindy from Milwaukee? And are well, you supposed to do that? Don't call according me to society. <laughs> don't yeah. Call, by the way, don't call me Mindy. <laughs> I'll, I'll go with and Mork. Don't, don't call me Shirley. Shirley we may not. call you Mork for the rest of the podcast. That'd be all right. At this point. That'd be all right. Um. You know, and it it really reminded me as you're saying this 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 week. A um, I I kind of been watching Paul Washer mm-hmm. uh, a lot on some messages, and well, I, I, you know where I stand on the quote unquote sinner's prayer. Yeah, it's I, just, I don't I don't know I don't agree with it. I think that has done more damage to the to the church than 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 we've realized. Raise your hand if you want to be saved. Yeah, raise your hand and and, and now, you know and now repeat yeah. after me. <laughs> but there is a point that Paul Washer starts talking and he goes. And he puts it in such satirical form that is is really hilarious because he starts talking about the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter two, oh, no. where, where they're going. I know where this you is know, going. You know, where here Peter is preaching, he's preaching repentance, he's repeating the gospel, and he's like, and he's like, everybody, if you would bow your head now, now if you would like to ask Jesus into that God-sized hole in your heart, I see that hand back there, I see it. 
That's it. Thank you, ma'am. Th- and he goes on this, and I'm, and, but I'm sitting there listening to it going, man, that is what you see. And, and I have sat in services where this has happened, and you're sitting there with your head up going, you can't be serious. You, you cannot be seriously doing this. There's no repentance. There's no... <laughs> do, do you recall a long time ago when, when we had Jonathan on? and Hi, Jonathan. And we talked about uh, Americanization of the gospel and all this other stuff. And yeah. I, and, I'm, and he was talking about... I think it was 2018, roughly. Could have been. It feels like years. <laughs> so then 2020 happened. So, you know, it was like we were talking about eschatology and how people make it, you know, preeminent in all things and, and, and different things. And he was talking about this sort of fundamentalist dispensationalist view and then the people that have that they'll they'll like uh they'll abandon you as a brother if you don't hold it now gr- granted i'm gonna well, tell they you, will do more than abandon oh, that's you. right yeah they'll, they'll consign <laughs> you to the pit of hell but the point is they can't get past the little doctrines they think every doctrine is equally supreme no, they and think that's their the, doctrines are well, equally supreme the ones that they they picked yeah. and chose and that's fundamentalism you remember you call it I actually told you that I made a confession in that podcast that I was a fundamentalist once yeah, upon you, a time. Yeah, you did say you were a fundy. And so there you go. You did say you I were mean, a fundy. when you say I've sat through some of those services, dude, I've sat through hundreds probably. If I've sat through one, I've sat through too many. Yeah. And there's actually a, I didn't know this till this week, I didn't know there was a re- recovering fundamentalist podcast. Really? There is. I, I just discovered it this week. There, <laughs> Those of you that don't know, there is a YouTube channel. Tell them. There is a YouTube channel that if you, you want some, if you got some time on your hands, uh, James White, I first heard this, and if you've got some time on your hands, it's called the IFB Sermon Clips. For those of you who don't know, that's Independent Fundamental Baptist Sermon Clips. And man, if you just want to uh, see what we're talking about from uh, Americanizing everything in the church, centering everything around America, uh, a wrong, a, a very eisegetical point of view from Scripture, uh, if you want to see the over-the-top nature of, of what we're talking about, you're going to see it there. Now, am I saying all fundamentalists are that way? No, I'm not. No. This is probably the, I mean, it's a sermon clip, so this is probably the cream of the crop. Yeah, they're, you know? they're picking the worst. Yeah, they're worst, picking so the worst here. And and man, I'm going to tell you, there are some, there's one guy, if you get a chance, you, you got to watch it. He goes, uh, he starts walking around and he says, uh, I was in an airport. I think he said airport or he may have said bus station for all I know. But he says, uh, he said, this guy walks up and he's like, I see you in here all the time. And he said, you must be a preacher. And he said, well, how do you know I'm a preacher? And he goes, because you got that Baptist swag. And he does it. And I'm thinking, oh, oh. I wish my, we were doing video right oh, now. Oh, he does. He does. He's got that Baptist swag. <laughs> and, and and he does this little thing. And, and, you know, then he walks over to the other side of the pulpit. And he kind of does this little rooster strut. And he walks over there and he goes, but you won't catch me in skinny jeans. <laughs> and, he, and, and I'm thinking, wow. You won't catch me in skinny jeans either. And one reason, I'm too fat. <laughs> I don't think. No, I know I don't own any because I I couldn't fit in them if I did. <laughs> I mean, I am post the age that skinny works. Oh man, yeah. <laughs> Gravity has took over. Gravity has has, has taken you know Gravity things just taken over. Older, everything just. Begins I mean, I don't get me wrong. You go to the gym and try to keep it up, but it's still just keeping. Gravity works against you the older you get. But so let me ask you a question. Uh, during this long hiatus that we had, uh, you know, did you miss doing this? I did. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, even I though we tried one time and it was absolutely disastrous. It was. But well, we were so busy. If it hadn't been for the lizard, <laughs> I'd probably been okay. But I got attacked by, by a monarch lizard, basically, that run through here. You know, was, I started uh, cutting that. I'd already cut that out before I... And then I, I And then I continued to listen for about three or four minutes into our podcast to check for any sound quality well, issues as I was doing my edit. And I was like, <laughs> we can't release this. We're in this, we can't we're in this studio. And, and, and literally... Literally, 
as we're sitting here, an iguana walks by. And and I, those of you that know, I don't like reptiles. Truth in advertising moment. It was just a lizard. It, <laughs> it was in a, it was I, on steroids. I had left the door open. It's my fault. And a lizard got in the house. Well, let's put it this way. I, the only way to exterminate this lizard was to shoot it, if we would have had the possibility. And no, <laughs> PETA, don't call us. We didn't physically shoot the lizard. I'm, that's hyperbole. No. But it was a massive-sized lizard that that began to uh, crawl across the studio floor. And, he wasn't uh, scared of me either when I went to check on him. Why was, should he be? He was no, our he, size. Yeah, he was, he was not scared. I'm pretty sure he was a poisonous litter, li- uh, a lizard. <laughs> I'm All not right. sure we have those where we live, but you know. that one was in my eyes. That was a poison. In your eyes, it was. It was one probably, bite. One bite would have killed me. It might have been Godzilla. It, I, Godzilla would have been terrified of this thing. You Godzilla just, would have been. It could have. It, it could have whipped Godzilla and King Kong. Those of you that watched that movie, it could have whipped them both. Don't don't reveal because I never. I didn't get oh, a chance movie. to watch it. So great I, movie. I don't know who won. Great movie. All right. All right. Now we've been down a rabbit hole long enough. I'm betting on Godzilla. We better bring it back. Okay. So. Loser. To, <laughs> Lizard. So today we're going to talk about kind of what we hinted at last time. We're going to talk about postmodernism, critical theory, and intersectionality and how that creates woke Christians in the church. And remind me to, well, I'll just go ahead and do it. There, as While we're doing this, I want to do a plug for, there's a movie kind of about intersectionality and sure. the SBC. Um, I'd recommend this to somebody this week. I'd forgotten about it. Tom Askell and Founders Ministry put out a movie, and they've actually got some more stuff coming out now. Uh, it was called By What Standard. Yeah, it, you it mentioned really, that in a previous episode. It's a really, really good movie. So and when we're talking about this, if, you, if you're if you in the SBC, the Southern Baptist, you kind of want to know what's going on. You've got a couple of guys that are spearheading this. Tom Askell, uh, Jared um, Longmire, I think maybe his name. I think that's it. I think it's his name, but... If you would just just uh, you can go on YouTube, go on their website, and check it out, and check out uh, founders.org, and go watch by White Center. Does a knockout job explaining what's going on and how the camel's nose is under the tent, and it is here. It's it's not getting here. No, it's very. It's here. here. It's very here. Again, as I stated, uh, well, I just say it. Daniel Aiken, Daniel Aiken at Southeastern sure. Baptist Theological Seminary. Um, He's the president of it, and he's written some good stuff over the years. Stuff I've, I've got two books by him. One is the the uh, NAC uh, commentary on uh, the Epistles of John. Yeah, first, second, and third and, there, and I'd recommend the book. It's good. We both have it. It's really good. It's there's nothing against him well, theologically, but there's something has happened to him in sociologically. He's allowed the sociological influence of what's going on in the world with intersectionality, CRT, and all these other things to to create a an environment in which he thinks he has to apologize. For being Christian, for being Southern Baptist, for being a man, for being a Anglo-Saxon white male, he has all these things he has to apologize for. And actually, no. No one has to apologize for the color of their skin or the ethnicity in which they were born to, the, the nation they were born in, the language they speak. That's, that's not anything to apologize for. The word ethnos found throughout the Greek New Testament, God says in Revelation that he's bringing all peoples, all nations, all tongues, all and all tribes, tribes to him. And that's yeah. not that's not a church for white people, a church for black people. How about we get away from that? You know, we used to find it abhorrent that, that that people would say, if you want to find segregation alive and well in America today, go to church on Sunday morning. And well, I think that should be the last thing in the world we should anybody should want. But now we see a push towards doing that in society in general as well as in church. This uh, idea that people are, are isolated into groups, social groups, ethnic groups. I don't like that. No, and it's a divide that's been going on for years, and I'm going to point them to a direction. Uh, go listen to Vody Balcom. Yeah. Go listen to Vody. 
He's, he's, the got one, a, he's, he's got a book out now. He's the one guy they don't want talking about it. No. They do not want Vodie talking about it. And Vodie pulls no punches. Yeah. I mean, he is script. I mean, that's the thing. We have to be grounded in the scriptural truths. We don't need to talk about postmodernity that is, well, I mean, let, we, let's say we really haven't defined it. It is that which follows what's modern. Yeah. So and, and, it's constantly moving and, and give, changing. And I'll give folks another YouTube channel to look at from someone who doesn't come at things necessarily from a Christian worldview, but even within intelligentsia, you have a man that's kind of like Vody that would just say, no, this is crazy. And that's a man named Thomas Sowell, mm-hmm. S-O-W-E-L-L, Thomas Sowell. He's an economist, and I have his book on classical economy right over here behind me. And uh, a brilliant, brilliant mind. And he would tell you, no, this is silly. You know, the things we're doing to this country, it's, it's abhorrent. So, and, and they have to remember that if when we're talking about things that are postmodern. And should it, we say that these examples are people of African American Oh, you talk about Vody and, yeah. And Thomas Sowell. They're Thomas both, Sowell, of, you, of both of these. Ancestry, and they both of say, these. That's why they're they're the two people. We'll just say two people. They don't want talking about it. They do not want them talking about. Well, it. Even, even said even that a liberal himself. linguist, a liberal scholar linguist like like James McWhorter. I think you actually say McWhorter. It's M C W H O R T E R. Would say, wait, don't back me into that corner of intersectionality and all that stuff. He don't want to hear it either. Well, and it's so ironic because the people that talk about postmodern society and we're postmodern world, they like postmodern. Then try to back people into classical definitions, which is something that they don't want people in. You're telling me that it is relatively true to my own standard. Yeah. But then you're telling me that I need to be by this standard that is one standard. It the standard doesn't move in. Well and by postmodern, the standard constantly is a moving target. That's why this episode could almost be a defining our terms episode. Really? And it I could. almost thought about even doing that and making a short defining our terms before we ever got into the body of our, our discussion today. But I don't think we're going to do that. I think we're just going to keep it all one episode. But we have to do this, and this, this is start defining some terms. What you're talking about here is epistemology, okay? Mm-hmm. Epistemology comes from the Greek episte, which means knowledge. And then from logos comes the word in English, L-O-G-Y, logi. And that means reason for or study of. Um, it, it, but it's a derivative of logos, the Greek word, for reason or word. And it means... Reason for knowledge, study of knowledge, that sort of thing. Knowledge and reason, that's epistemology. It's a noun. In philosophy, it's the theory of knowledge. Yeah, and and what you're saying, theory of knowledge, is they really, the people in the postmodern culture, think they are rooted in knowledge, and they think they are rooted in in reality. But real epistemology is, where do you get your knowledge? By what you said that by term, what by what standard, where do we learn, how is knowledge given? And, how and, is it received? So it's with regard to its methods. It's validity. Is it valid? Is it real? And it's scope. How do you apply it? Also, you could say it's the origins or source of knowledge. It's the investigation of what distinguishes a justified belief, that's fact, from opinion. That's your opinion, okay? Uh, One of the ways it looks at it is it asks certain questions. A sample question would be, what is knowledge? Second one is, how is knowledge acquired? Nietzsche actually asked the question, what is knowledge? And I think he said a knowledge, if I'm remembering correctly, Knowledge, the quote was, knowledge is a woman, and then it's followed by what, question mark? It's it's just a total disconnected thought process. I mean, but Nietzsche kind of coined that. And your reason for the study of epistemology is it's said that it's important in order to critically assess the reliability of all knowledge. 
your historical figures who basically classified epistemology were René Descartes from France, Immanuel Kant, uh, German, David Hume from Scotland. You know what I just thought of? What? The Philosopher's Song from Monty Python. We can't sing it. It has a couple of bad words. I have actually never watched Monty have you, Python. You never heard the Philosopher's no, Song? No, never watched Monty Python. No, the only clip I remember of Monty Python Basically was I remember the horse. I remember the horse with the coat. They had the coconuts making the horse sound. That's all I, I got, man. Well, what I can tell you about, about that song is this. It's all about various philosophers. It mentions them by name. And what it basically says about all of them is they were just all a bunch of drunks. <laughs> but, <laughs> They're just all you, a bunch of drunks. David Hume could out-consume... <laughs> Back up for a second. Well, go ahead and finish what you got. Then I'll okay, that's essentially it for epistemology that will lead us into ontology. Well, when you back up what you said there, you're talking about their thinking is rooted in intellectual thought, they're rooted in knowledge. That is what is truth. And, and so you're, you're getting into the what is truth. But So they think they're grounded in two important things. They think they're grounded in knowledge and reality. Mm-hmm. When really they're not grounded in either one of the two, and they're not grounded in either, they are grounded in their own opinions. Mm-hmm. And so the truth, what I said earlier, has then become a moving target. The truth is now a moving target that constantly moves because guess what? Your opinions change like change like the waves of the sea. They sure. change daily with the direction of the wind. Yeah, and so you're basing yourself on thoughts and feelings and it kind of goes back to what I said earlier. Hence my, be... hence my joke about Mork and Mindy. You must well, call me Mork or you must call me Mindy. Well, and it goes back to what I said too about the sinner's prayer. We got people responding out of feelings. So you, you got to be careful with your feelings is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. There, and, and you get, and I always say this, there's people, there's days you feel saved and days you don't feel saved. I'm, I'm sorry. That's just our assurance rest in Christ. But there are days I can't go on the feeling. Not in any work of my own. And no. Not in, any, not in any prayer I've said or the way I feel on any given day because, again, man is unstable. Well, here's a plug for Ephesians 2.8. Uh, salvation is all of God and no one is to boast, basically. That that means you can't boast about your salvation. That is extri- strictly what that verse is talking about. You cannot boast in your salvation because you cannot get it on your own. You did not do it on your own. You cannot do it. It is all a supernatural work of God. And so it doesn't say if, and don't be wrong, it doesn't say that you can't, if you did something good, you know, it doesn't say that. That's not what that verse is saying. Don't be boastful. Even though I don't think we should be extremely boastful. I like stuff done in private and thing. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. But so the very thing that they're saying they're not doing. They're actually doing. They're doing. Yeah. And then they get even worse because as I said earlier, they take this and they say, okay, it is based in knowledge and truth, but it's really our own opinion is what we know it to be. And then try to back to a strict definition of critical race theory and intersectionality. Now, that's a step ahead of us. We're we gonna haven't get, got there We're going to get to that. We're going to get to that. They're all interrelated. Remember, the emphasis is on the individual in postmodern, and especially the epistemology, uh, the epistemology of it. It is on the individual. And that individual wants the freedom to totally define themselves. They don't want you to define it. They don't want Scripture to define it. Because what does Scripture define us as? Scripture defines us as lost. We are dead in trespasses. That's what, and we are described, even as we're in Christ, we're still wretches. We're still going through the process of sanctification. So Scripture, in fact, defines us Mm -hmm. in an absolute truth. Postmodern, in any sense, can't stand that. So then... What is your epistemological basis for your knowledge? And I would, I guess you would, I guess what you're saying is you would have to say, it's truth as defined by Scripture. 
Is there another truth? Your epistemology must be, therefore come from the scripture. The world would say, well, that's narrow, and you've defined it based on an ancient writing that may or may not be true. You have no way of proving it. Saddle me. Exactly. Well, it's going to lead us to some other things. Ontology. Ontology, O-N-T-O-L-O-G-Y, comes from, it's also a noun. It comes from the Greek ont, which means being, B-E-I-N-G, state of being. And we've already discussed what L-O-G-Y is. So it's the branch of metaphysics, philosophy, dealing with the nature of being or reality. It is a set of concepts and categories in a subject area or domain that shows their properties and the relations between them. So one way of saying this is ontology is how you classify things. Sure. By their actual reality and their state of being. Who's writing the story? If you were looking at it as a meta-narrative, a master story, who's writing the story? Exactly. Well, and I'm and I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna look at it from a point of view since this is a scientific term. Let's look at it from the point of view of classification. Mm-hmm. You have classification of species. Within that, you have a classification of sex, male and female, and how they're related and interrelated, and how those things work. Whether it be in the pollination and cross pollination of plants. What do we do with the reproduction other of plants? Well, I'm, I'll get to that. Or it has to do with the reproduction of animals. Okay. So you have these, you have this idea of, of sexual classifications. You do have asexual plants that reproduce within themselves, sure. but you know, that are not sexualized one way or the other, not male and female. They, they actually contain both the male and the mm-hmm. female within their own, their own system, their own roots and plant system. But for the most part, everything pollinates, cross pollinates, et cetera, through a male female relationship. Same occurs in biology. That is not plant biology, not botany, but through animal biology and through human physical biology. So this is ontology. This is sets and subsets and how you explain the actual, by the way, it's the, it's the branch of science of what is. It's the science of what is. And on my paper, I have what is underlined. It's of the kinds and structures of objects, what they actually are. Okay. The reason I bring that up is because of the structures of how the, the sexuality of those plants, those animals, and of humans relate. What are the actual structures? What are the actual things that define male, female? Okay. I just want to leave it at that. You can think of it yourself. I'm not going to define that. Sorry, my phone is ringing. This is a very Darwinian, very much so Darwinian. Uh, it's the paradigm that uh, Charles Darwin would have loved. It's a a paradigm that um, that honestly I think he would support him and him and its Einsteinian paradigm as well. It's both of them. Both of them would do this. Well, they were naturalists. Yeah, natural philosophers. So what you're saying is Darwin would have had no need for say transgenderism because he wouldn't have understood it. You know, he probably would have been as woke as everybody else at this point. Let's be realistic. But let's put him where he was. He lived I, I in the agree 1800s. With you. And no. He was he actually raised in a, quote, Christendom, and he was raised in a Christian environment and had actually heard the Bible preached many times. No. He, he grew wouldn't. up in church. He wouldn't have understood it. And so he, uh, he classified things by scientific method, regardless of whether he came to the right conclusions because his epistemology was off, because he got his source of knowledge from something outside of Scripture. Scripture, right? So as Christians, we would say his source of knowledge, his epistemological structure was wrong, but his ontology was correct because he understood the basic definitions of things. That's what ontology is. And God created them what? Male and female. Isn't it a shame that the postmodern has creeped creeped into the church when when we, you know, now that I've actually said it, when we have absolute truth defined so clearly. Yeah. Don't use your examples yet. We're not there. I know what you're wanting to talk about. United Methodist Church. We'll get to that. No, really, I that wouldn't. Wasn't it? Okay. No, no, it but really we'll would. No, no, we'll get there. I, I was just sitting here thinking, 
wow, you know, no matter what denomination you go to now, it was actually my train of thought. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't care whether it's Lutheran, Southern Baptist, United Methodist. I don't care which one it is. The postmodern thought is in every one of them. Guess what? All these people talk about the fundamental. It's in the fundamentalist too. Sure it is. I mean, it, it is too. They think they're standing on this, you know, this. Now it's it's the, an extremism. The gap in the wall, it's an extremism that it is, is is born out of a, a narrow view, a narrow epistemology it, it, as well. Um, and and that, you and that you, can even relate to their their choices. I'm serious. It can even well, relate to their choice of Bible translation. Oh, absolutely. The fact that there is no choice. And you facetiously... For most of them, they don't believe in a choice. And you facetiously, while ago, called me narrow, which, that's fine, saddle me. Well, I was, but then they're was, very narrow, too. No, right, I, I, I was illustrating I know what you're doing. You're, yeah. you're, you're illustrating. I agree with you. And I, what did I say? Saddle me with it. But they are, then again, they themselves are narrow, but can't see themselves as narrow. No. They think that they have no presuppositions. They, think, they are loaded they quote, with they presuppositions. They think, the science backs them up. Science about science is about reality, correct? That is a load of jargon. But science is about reality. So not actually, that. That's not jargon. That means actually, science is reality. real science, natural science, does not support. Not at all. I'm, I'm sorry, but it does not support what the current assistant uh, director of health and human services said to Senator Rand Paul. That, uh, it's a, uh, that it's a new science, it's a new science, and it's still developing, et cetera, et cetera, and I'll be glad to work with you in the future. He would never answer. But it never answer. It was answer. a very scripted question. And this is a doctor. Or answer, I'm sorry, scripted This is answer. a doctor, born male, has a wife, children, and grandchildren, and has decided in his old age to become a woman. And so he put on a wig, wears makeup and a dress, and pretends to be a woman. I thought it was his actual hair. Did he not grow his hair out? I, I don't. I, I thought, thought that was his actual I hair. I didn't think that. Was I mean, his we're splitting hair. hairs now. No pun intended. But I mean, but I, I really did think that was his. Well, if he's his that hair. age and can grow that hair, good on him. But anyway, uh, I just said him, so I'm in trouble with the woke people. But there you go. Well, I, I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry. I go back to what I said earlier. What is my? What is mine and your? You and I. Source of truth. Scripture. It's scripture. God made them what. Male and female. Male and female. And look. So he is a him. I'm sorry. And guess sorry. what he gave us? He did give us natural thought. He did give us nature to understand the way things work. He did give us eyes and ears and a mouth, which most times we should keep quiet, and a nose to smell things. And he gave us hands to touch and feel things. The truth is he gave us all the senses we need to view and perceive the reality that he created for us. You you said something. I wanna... So here's the thing. When you say and do the things that society has started to do in the last two to three years, to, to the nth degree, you are denying what you see, hear, smell, and taste, and feel with your own senses every day. You get up every morning in denial. That's called mental illness, folks. Are you talking directly to me? No. <laughs> I'm looking you, at you. you I know. You're pointing at me. I'm no, I, and I made motions to the outside Steve world. Steve Lawson, are you preaching the, at me? Or? Well, I don't mean to be preaching, period. <laughs> My point is this. We, we've we entered an age where You're up right. is down, down is up. It's stupid. Oh, what's the passage of Scripture? There's no reality that ever could support this fundamentally absurd illusion that people have created for themselves. What, what's about, is it Isaiah 5, I think? We, we have literally replaced... What is right with what is wrong, and what is wrong with right? Now that's a very loose paraphrase. We have called what is good evil, yeah, and that which is evil good. And that—that that is essentially the world is upside down from a scriptural point of view. 
It is. So let me finish my definitions before we whole, go off I, the you, rail. You anymore. said something there that I wanted to say. I was given advice at a very young age from my dad, and and you know when you look at people and you're talking to people, and as you're talking to them, have you ever seen somebody drift off? And you know what they're doing? They're formulating an answer because they heard the first three words of what you said, and they're not listening. To the they're rest not listening of it. to a single thing you said, and so they're already formulating this answer in their head. They're already calculating. And then they say something, the dog is purple. You're like, well, that was not even what I was going to say. But what I'm saying is my dad always told me very early on, you have two ears, one mouth. Listen twice as much as you talk. Yeah. that's that was. And honestly, I'm terrible at it. But it's probably the best advice I've got because if you will sit back and listen to people and you and you can engage conversationally a lot better. Yeah. you can You can engage from a biblical standpoint better. It was really some wisdom. That I was given probably in the early teenage, maybe you know, late adolescent years, it's really stuck with me my whole life. The the biggest issue today in trying to do that is that you are going to hear the most absurd things presented to you. As it's if, hard as if they're true. Yeah. When your very natural thought, and by the way, when we say the world is this and the world is that, it doesn't mean every single human being is on board with this. I'm talking about lost people here. I'm talking about the world system. The world system may be on this, but the people, the citizens of those countries, individual citizens of those countries, they're not necessarily on board with it. They don't necessarily believe it. I don't know if the United States because even is lost on, people have been given enough common grace from God that most of them still have what we used to call common sense. In a clip I was sent this week, I told you about James White's debating a guy, and the guy goes, "So you're telling me that I should thank God." that he doesn't take me out immediately and send me to hell right now, to which James White went, yes, that is correct. <laughs> I, I mean, you said common grace. That's essentially what we're looking at there. By not taking you out for your, you know, for the rejection that, that you're going to have right now of him, of the atonement, there is grace bestowed to you by not taking you out at this very moment in this very time. Not you. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking about in general. You, whoever the sinner, insert sinner here. Well, we talked about it, that sinner, because I said lost. the very air that you breathe and the breath that you take is a gift from God. Absolutely. And that's given to the lost as well as to the saved. Sure. Let's finish up this these definitions. Um, one last thing about ontology is that it, it's concerning claims of the, about the nature of being and existence. And I put in here, I think... Therefore, I am. Oh, I've got that quote. Yeah, Renee Descartes. Yep. And that is his blending I remember her name. of an, Renee. It's, no, it's a male. Oh, I'm, I said her, didn't I? <laughs> Renee Descartes. Oh, dude that had a big bushy. That was embarrassing. A Frenchman with a big bushy mustache, sixteen hundreds. Okay, so I think, therefore, I am. Honestly, from the humanistic point of view, that sounds good. But what is it saying? It is saying, since I can formulate ideas, I actually know that I'm alive. Therefore, I am alive, is what he was saying. I am a man. I am a human being. Because I think that separates me from the lower animals. Kind of a, kind of a early humanistic evolutionary type view Descartes had there. But anyway, so Descartes says this, and I said this is this issue of, on, this kind of summarizes this part. What is ontology as opposed to epistemology? Ontology refers to what exists, actually exists, in the world and assumptions about the form and nature of that social reality. Versus epistemology, which is concerned with the nature of knowledge and of ways of knowing what exists and learning about social reality. So that moves us into this idea of thinking about what is postmodernism and what is critical theory. Well, postmodernism, you said earlier, comes from the same, from the word we get modernism, which is moto, okay, so that means in the now. And postmodern means after the now. It's, it's, 
it's uprooting standards, up, uprooting traditions, if you will, uh, traditions. Well, you know, modern the modern modern philosophy sort of begins post enlightenment or post-enlightenment. around the time of enlightenment in the post area there around the French it's, Revolution and afterwards. You see the you see the culmination of what the enlightenment produced, which was a secular humanism. And a rejection Man's the of, now. of religion and a rejection of a Christ-centered state. They wanted a secular state. In the modern world, we began to separate the two, and and we thought that was the way to go. And But we created also some other ideas. The idea that logic, man's logic and reason, his natural senses, and the scientific method would replace superstition, religion, and, and those other forms of metaphysical philosophy. Everything's, everything's synergistic now. However, postmodern even rejects that. Because remember, modernism was still in, imbued with reality. Yeah. What exists in the natural state? Postmodernism says, we need to take another look at this. Could, because there are biases and there are systems in place that are going to prevent you from perceiving reality. Could we not call it perspectivism? It is. I mean, yeah. that, I mean, could we not term well, it that? you know, the term moral relativism it, exists in that. Um, this postmodern view of the world has led to what is called critical theories. Critical theory in postmodernism is sort of a, a a breakdown of systems, a deconstructionism, I guess you could call it. Encyclopedia Britannica says, Critical theory is a Marxist-inspired movement in social and political philosophy, originally associated with the work of the Frankfurt School that's in Germany. A lot of your higher criticism comes from Germany. And that began in philosophy and in uh, moral philosophy and religious studies. Germany by the way, is where higher textual criticism begins to try to break down the concept of what is the scripture and can we trust it. And so you had people like Bultmann and all these others, and they were out to just destroy people's faith in supernaturalism. They didn't want people to believe in the miracles of Jesus. They didn't want people to believe in creation. They wanted people to accept the, the now, at that time, modern views of, of, of evolutionary development and things like that. And they wanted to view and study the Bible simply as a collection of ancient Near Eastern texts that were of mythology and of moral philosophy and of a certain history of a rural nation of people who may or may not have been called Israel. That's what they that's what they wanted to do. So that was all breaking things down. So while it was early modern, at the same time, it would sow the seeds for its own destruction in postmodernism because it was deconstructionist by nature. Uh, yeah. Deconstruct, to break things down to their lowest common denominator and to turn them inside out. Can I, I can tell you, I can, take a, I can take a pop culture reference right now that you'll care nothing about, but maybe some of our listeners will understand. If you've seen uh, Scott Snyder's film, The Watchmen, or if you know the book on which it was based, Alan Moore nope. from England's Watchmen, it okay. was originally a 12-issue DC comic maxi-series or mini-series, and the, uh, 12 issues one year. It actually took close to two years to put it out. So between the years of 85 to 87, he was working on this, what was called superhero deconstructionism. What he did was subvert all the genres, uh, the, the, the concepts and the, and the paradigms of, of what, we, what we think of as modern myth through superheroes, and he destroys them. He makes them immoral and amoral creatures who are basically imbued with their own powers as if they're godlike beings and they decide the fate of humanity. Literally to the point that they decide to destroy the international community so that they can create world peace. It kind of seriously, it almost makes you think of the French Revolution, it almost makes you think of Marxism and all that stuff. So Moore was a mad genius and he and he did all this. That's deconstructionism on one scale. That was deconstructing the comic book. Snyder does it through the film. He doesn't he doesn't do it very well. But anyway, it's, it's, it is what it is. But that was just a, an example I could give out of pop culture of what is deconstructionism. Well, and, and the one word that keeps coming to my mind as you're talking about this is discernment. 
and I don't know why that word keeps coming up because we literally, as as humans, as Christians, have to be able to discern this. We have to discern the this from the that, if you will, the the reality uh, from what is fantasy. We're, in, we're instructed to do that. Yeah, and, and so discerning. discernment is what I keep coming up with right now because we are literally in a world that it doesn't like discernment. If you want to know the truth, they do not like it at all, and that that is really what leaves. You know, because right now we're in a, a, a cultural that has a loss of discernment. And if you do have discernment, you're the enemy. You have moved into the full-blown enemy territory if you have discernment, if you're trying to discern reality from fantasy. Yeah. Critical theory draws particularly on the thoughts of Karl Marx and Sigmund Freud. Critical theorists maintain that a primary goal of philosophy is to understand to help overcome social structures. You need to overcome your social structure, right? through which people are dominated and oppressed. How many times have you heard this in the news in the last few years? Believing that science, just like other forms of knowledge, goes back to our arguments about what is epistemology, what is ontology, has been used as an instrument of oppression. So they believe the scientific method has been used as a form of oppression. They, call, they caution against blind faith in scientific progress. They argue that scientific knowledge must not be, pers- be pursued as an end in itself, without reference to the goal of human emancipation, human liberty, human freedom. Freedom from what? The very nature of life? The very nature of science? Since the 1970s, critical theory has been immensely influential in the study of history, law, literature, and the social sciences. So here's my little pet peeve. Yeah, I went to college in the 90s, and I think you did in the late 90s, early 2000s. You know this. It's all in, if you had to take any type of humanities or social uh, sciences class, and you probably had to take at least one or two in order to get your degree, whether it be history, political science, sociology, psychology, any of those, sociology, criminology, you were you were just hammered with this stuff. I wasn't. I took rural sociology. It was in the ag department. I hate you. It was a bunch of rednecks. We all got together. <laughs> we and I'll never forget our professor. Our, we had Dr. Coffee. And Dr. Coffee is at West is at our university where I went. Well, I'm drinking and, some brew stuff brewed from Mr. Coffee. And, and Dr. Dr. Coffee, he got, you know, he is deceased uh, a few years ago, but he he said some things in that class that uh, two things, if it would have been recorded, he would have been fired immediately uh, to, in today's culture. In today's world, yeah. But he wasn't doing anything derogatory. He was expressing, this was starting, the, the, the camel's nose was under the tent years ago for this, looking back now. He was discussing these cultural normatives, if you will, that we were somehow making normal in very satire form, if you will, and satire yeah. in nature. Over the top, and that's the way he taught his class. And you would go in there, and for an hour a day, he captivated a hundred students because he it, it really woke you up. No pun intended. Once again, <laughs> it, 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 I mean, it woke you up because you're a college kid. I mean, physically, sure. it actually woke you up. Sure. We had it at seven o'clock in the morning, and he said some things that were just what today would be absolutely controversial. That he would be fired on the spot, but he didn't mean them that way. He was teaching the class. And showing you how ridiculous some of the things that you're going to be faced with when you get out of there is. Well, I actually think that you and I went to the same university. Did we, we did. Not? Okay, just different we times. Did. I was in the ag department, though. We were on top of the hill. We were on top of the hill. That's where the cool kids hung out. Whatever. On top of the hill. I was in the history department. So anyway, I was on top of the matter. hill. We well, were farming. The point is, I had a I had a history professor there who was... Uh, I couldn't plant a garden. Who taught the history of Africa. And it was it was a it was a cool class. He was, It was good. And, and he was a... A, I'd say probably he was in his mid-50s at the time. 
and this is 25 years or, or 30 years ago, so this has been a while. I, he may not, I'm sure he's not still active, but he may not even be alive. I had an interesting semester with that guy. He oh. was, he was a, he was a African-American. He was a black male and he had opinions that would actually get him fired today. He wouldn't Whoa. be, he would not be woke enough. He would not be, you couldn't be liberal enough. I don't know how any of the people that actually taught me then could even be professors today. They wouldn't be liberal enough unless they just conformed for the sake of getting uh, they'll along. they'll capitulate. But he had a way. Of you not knowing where he stood on things as far as, as politics, but he had a way of irritating everybody from conservatives to liberals to everyone in between, religious groups to atheists. He didn't call anybody. That was Dr. Man. Coffee. He, he found a way to insult and, 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 and sort of aggravate everybody, and yet he did it with facts, not with not with this fiction of today. Um, other ideas in, in theories of critical theories that you have communication theories – uh, you've got people that will take films, music, and everything and try to break it down. Uh, uh, let, let's see here. Uh, i got a man named Byron Hurt. is a modern theorist. He uses film to critique how sexism impacts both men and women in our society. His cutting-edge film, Hip Hop, Beyond Beats and Rhymes, looks at the hip-hop industry from a critical perspective, focusing on how it enables sexism against women while keeping men in narrowly defined gender roles. The idea of hyper-machoism and, and of course, uh, a sort of misogynistic view towards women. Now, granted, look, I don't need him to tell me that. If you've ever listened to any rap made between, say, 1989 and today, you already know all that. You know, another term that keeps coming to mind right now as we're discussing this is pragmatism. The ends justify the means. And I'm thinking about it from a church standpoint. And we've said this many times. I don't I don't know whether we've said this on the podcast or not. We have really privatized, or, uh, yeah, privatized religion. And when I say that, here's what I mean. We have made it a dog and pony show. And we have made it a spectacle that we use worldly things to bring worldly people in. We preach adult gospel or adult gospel. And when we get them in on those perspectives, guess what we have to keep them with? You cannot preach repentance at that point. You cannot preach uh, a changing and a, a change of discourse in your personality, your, your, uh, your point of view has changed. We cannot preach those things if we bring them in on the means of the world. They will hate it. Jesus tells us of himself, I believe it's the gospel of John or one of the one of the epistles of John. They hated me first, therefore they hate you. Absolutely. You are not of the world. The world hated me first, therefore it hates you. Sure. And uh so we bring them in on the world. They don't like it when you get them in and you preach those. So you just preach this little fluffy gospel. And it's going on in all churches. I'm not talking about any church in particular. It's going on really everywhere. I mean, just frankly, in, in you drive here locally, we'll, we'll find that kind of church doing that. Sure. And so we have just privatized this for it's consumer-driven. We have turned the, the, the ecclesia into something that is consumer-driven, and we're letting, instead of letting Scripture and Christ drive the church, and we have the ordinances given to us, whether it be uh, the pastoral epistles, whether it be First, Second Timothy, or Titus, whether it's one of those pastoral epistles that Paul writes at the end of his life, and he writes those at the end of the life. Why? Because he thinks he's about to die, and he needs to give instruction to those two guys because they are what? Pastors. Mm -hmm. So he gives them instruction, this is how things need to work in the church. I'm leaving you a blueprint. Yeah, I'm, here's the blue exactly. Here's the blueprint of how this works. I'm leaving it to you. You don't have at this point by this time most of the apostles 
have been martyred. You still have the Apostle John around, but most of them have been martyred by this point. I think John, yeah, John still would have been around because Paul was around 65, I think, maybe, A.D. And so um, John would have been still around, but you still, so he's leaving this blueprint, and we've abandoned the blueprint. Yeah. We have took the blueprint, wadded it up, and threw it in the face of Jesus. I don't need your blueprint. I'm going to do it myself. Because the world has offered a an opposite paradigm, and the church is, has just become too willing to accept that as, oh, we need to adopt that. Yeah, I see what you're saying. There's problems. The problem with this, this is that this critical theory, and this it comes from three sources, Marx, postmodernism, and feminism. And beginning in the 19th and tw- early 20th century, Karl Marx's ideas challenged our views of a society and of, get this, inequity, inequality, talked about today, but but the main thing was economic inequity between rich and poor and a greater division between the rich and the poor. The rich were getting richer and the poor were getting poor, and that's not fair, and so we need to do something to break this down. And he wrote the Communist Manifesto with um, Frederick Engels, and of course he did his supposed masterwork of uh, economics called Das Kapital, or The Capital. I'm sure why he was sitting at home in his mom's house not working. Yeah, and eating food provided sorry, for him by that? Ingalls, because Ingalls was rich. I'm sorry, was my mic on? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Working class laborers being oppressed by those in power, specifically those could, who own the wealth, the, the capitalists. I could have made it cultural relatives and said he was sitting in his mom's basement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> on, on the internet, playing, playing video games with his friends, wearing his headset. Yeah, wearing his headset, wearing his $400 headset. And then you got modern, postmodernism. In any discussion of postmodernism, you must look at, at its impact on critical theory. Uh, modern refers to just now from modo in Latin, and post means after. Thus, this term translates into after just now. It's an idea that can be difficult to wrap our heads around. But what it mostly says is this. It's supposed to try to explain the relationship with those who have and don't have social power. You're, you, you have power, Jalen, regardless yeah. of how much money you make because of your identity. Because they're going to put you in this identity group, okay? In matters of, um, it allocates, li- the decision makers allocate our lives for the growth of power. In matters of social justice and scientific truth or light, the legitimation of, uh, legitimization of power is based on optimizing the system's performance, efficiency. The more efficient the system, the more oppressed the masses are, especially the minority groups, and even the average working class of the of the majority are, are still oppressed. You know, Marx would say that especially. And then your third major paradigm is feminist theory. It explores power structures that create and recreate gender differentiations in society. Critical feminist theories contend that gender relations are often oppressive to both men and women, and that they support an institution based on patriarchal values, thus critical feminist theories challenge dominant assumptions and practices of gender in ways that foster more equal and egalitarian forms of communication and social structures in society. Now, the article here has got some things. It talks about various strengths of, of it and all that. What, what, what are the strengths? It has a very small uh, paragraph on what are the strengths of this critical theory, but it has a thing on the weakness that I want to say. This comes from a, a world view of a person who has studied this thing, and I guess probably agrees with some of it, I would say. But uh, she writes here, a potential weakness of critical theories is their dependence on social values, people's personal opinions on what the value is. No, Which is the very definition of postmodernism. She says that's a weakness. She admits it. While empirical laws, those that are based on evidence, right? I've told you before, and I used to work... I hate empirical laws. I used to work in probation and parole. And in that, we we followed what was called empirical studies. We had what was called evidence-based policies. If something didn't work, we would, we would abandon it and move to something that we thought might work. Until we found what did work, 
And when it did, we would emphasize that. Now, the granted, good old-fashioned trial and error. Yeah, and it's I mean, not. It cookie, still works today. Look, it's not cookie cutter, but evidence-based oh. practices said that if you put somebody in a certain type of treatment facility, if their crime is of a certain type, a certain nature, or whatever, they're not going to be good in that system. Don't put them in it. They're just going to fail out anyway. But if they're of a different variety, put them in that one. They'll work in that one. And so you you didn't treat everybody the same. There is no one way to treat everything, right? There's no one way to treat mental illness, no one way to treat a cancer and physical illness. There's no one way to treat a criminal. There are multiple ways, and you have to look at what works best. And it says, while empirical laws, theories seek an objective reality, ontology here, that which actually is, critical theories highlight subjective, your own point of view. Okay, that we go back to moral relativism. What do I feel today? Subjective values that guide communication behaviors. When values conflict, the question of whose values are better then emerges. Well, whose values matter? In case you didn't hear, I was booing you as you were going. I know. And, and but it's it's okay. All right, let's flip the script now. We've talked about all this. It's relative. It's talk. We talked about what is relative. You, you, we've read the article. We see the scary nature, I guess you could say, of in which we're in the slippery slope, if you will. What's a Christian to do? That's the million dollar question. What is a true converted Christian? to do, whether it be pastor, whether it be elder, which same Submit every idea, every influence, and every thought to what? You submit everything to Scripture. scripture, The filter of Scripture. The filter of Scripture. You submit everything to the will of God. And if it conflicts with what is actually explicitly stated in Scripture, you have to abandon it. You know this thought. One of the first things I do when I sermon prep, when I prep for teaching on whenever it may be, as I begin to look, if I have a thought or I have a thought of a passage, I begin to look as somebody else had this thought because I hang up on the words of Steve Lawson. If it's new, it's not true. But postmodern blows that statement out of the very water, you know. But as a Christian, you're right. I think you nailed it on the head. We run it through the, through the, through the filter of Scripture to see if it lines with Scripture. And then what do we do if it doesn't line with Scripture? What do we do? We toss it. Now, I always like, you know, we can't, we got to, you know, we, I say we got to be careful. Don't throw the baby with the bathwater. But I'd say this is, we have to throw all aspects of this social justice, uh, critical race theory, and we need to get back to the gospel of Jesus Christ. We need to get back to the truths found in scripture. I mean, we are only given one real absolute truth, in my opinion, and that is the truth of God, the truth of scripture that is revealed. You got something else? You got something else you look at? Well, I, I just want to say. I'm not trying to run off the road. I'm just. No, you're going to be confronted with something, though, that people are going to say about what you're saying. Yes, yes, Pastor, I understand this, but what about racism in America? Okay. I mean, are we blind to the fact that there's racism or are we woke, which means we're alert, we're on guard, we know that there is. See, woke's a slang. It was in the Urban Dictionary a few years ago. It's now been brought into. Vernacular. It's still considered a slang, but it's, it's an adjective that means being aware and alert and on guard for racism and discrimination. In and they society. almost feel like they're the watchmen on guard. And since we said this is all about what Christianity, the fact is that's being brought into the church. And you're going to have people say, but, but I understand that, but people are being mistreated, severely mistreated. Yeah, don't mistreat people. Well, look, Stop it and confront it where you can. Be aware of it and confront it where you can. But don't call every incident, don't think that every incident in the world is based on race or gender, because well, it's not. Anytime 
when you, you know, use that get... filter, that woke filter, that postmodern critical race theory filter, you're always going to see something that's based on that. That's all you're going to see. If you filter everything through Jesus and through the scripture, you're going to say, oh, wait a minute, we need to be a little more patient. We need to try to figure out which, what's going on on both sides. You know? Sure. We, we, you said we have to listen with two yeah, ears yeah. and speak with one set of lips. So we've got to do this. We have one tongue. We should use it correctly. So before we come out against something, should we stop and think, wait, what really happened? Yeah, we, we have to analyze it. We do. You're going to be interrupted when you're saying we do everything by the word of God. We do everything by the word of God. Yes, yes, pastor. But the word of God doesn't tell us what to do in America as far as voting hmm. and as far good. as how to deal with, say, abortion or how to deal with, say, racial injustice or how to deal with income inequality. So what's your answer? Well, let me address this. You was talking, you're, you're talking about one of the hot topics now that we get brought up is slavery. Yeah. And, and, and it's been a hot topic for the last, I don't know, several hundred years. Chattel slavery in any incidence is wrong. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely against anything. Once again, we check it through the scriptural filters. Um, it's wrong. We see slavery on the pages of scripture. It doesn't make it right. No, because we see polygamy on, on the, the pages, pages of scripture. It still, it's not right. Yet, yet, yet and, we're and, told that it was never meant to be. It was meant to be one man, one woman. Look, and and you said that there you go. You've got the other camel nose on the tent. How long before somebody marries their truck, marries their car? Polygamy. I mean, where where does it end? I mean, where does this end? Other than the designed nature of it. Okay, when we're talking about all this, we're talking about woke culture. We're talking about we're talking about sexuality and homosexuality, and we're talking and. and I love what Dr. MacArthur says. We need to remember that they are the mission field. I've said that to you numerous times this week. And they're the mission field, as we've talked about and prepped for this. They're not the enemy. They're not the enemy whatsoever. Whatsoever. Oh, yeah. I heard him say that. Oh, it was last year, wasn't it? Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty he relevant. That he, said, he, said, he said, remember, when we're speaking about these things, he says that we think it's so ridiculous that someone would believe you know, that I can now declare myself to be a car and you have to go along with it. Sure. Because that's where we're at. Well, you said Mark and Mindy. We're we're destroying the English language. And he says, because we're trying to evade reality, he said, and instead of you being angry with those people, hating them or or ignoring them or or doing whatever, love them. Paul. Pray for them. Witness to them. You have to speak the truth. You have to speak the truth in love because I will say this, yelling and screaming at someone. I yelled and screamed earlier and, and we we've, we've been loud in this episode but we're we're because we're coming from the same point of view and we're just trying to say folks reality is one thing and what we're being told is reality is something else. It's very reminiscent of two novels that I have over here on my shelf. George Orwell's 1984 and his Ministry of Truth and Brave New World by Aldous Huxley. I mean it's, it's honestly it's very Orwellian. much like that. Yeah. Paul writes to the church at Corinth, I believe. And he gives that litany of sins. Remember that? But then he says one of the greatest statements. Such were some of you. Sure. Past tense. Past tense. Which means they're no longer like that anymore. They're no longer living in that cesspool of sin. No matter what that sin is. Because that's the thing. I think sometimes we... Dare I say they're forgiven? Because that they was their, are. that was their pre-salvation past. Okay, what is the only un, what is the only unpardonable, unforgivable sin? It's the rejection, a finality rejection of Jesus Christ through the calling of the Holy Spirit. Through the calling of the Holy Spirit. When you blaspheme Any, the Holy Spirit, you're you're done for. You're done for. Any other sin is forgivable. That's the only unpardonable sin. And when God... And we don't know what that moment is when no. that person reaches it. 
I think sometimes those people know it. There is a point in no return. A callus, a, a callus grows over their heart, and they no longer hear the word. And, and sometimes I wonder if that's the compartmental of the compartmental nature of hell, because we see the weeping and gnashing of teeth. There are those in hell that are going to be weeping because they they really thought they. Well, I'll just go where they said the sinner's prayer. They've done something. But there was no real repentant nature of their heart. And then the others are, are screaming are, and cursing God. They're literally gnash, you know, talking with their teeth yeah. together, gnashing. They're, their you know, they're going to hate God as much in hell as they did when they were on earth. Oh, yeah, this idea that there'll be repentance in hell. No. No, those that were softer of heart, even on the earth, will still be soft of heart in, sure. in hell. And that's why you'll have the weeping. There'll be those that go, oh, I missed it. And then there'll be those that go, well, I rejected you then. I'm rejecting you now. You made me bow before Jesus and declare him Lord. You forced me to. But you know what? I, he was never Lord in my lifetime, so I'm not going to worship him here in hell. I hate you the, for putting me here. But actually, they put themselves there. I, the saddest words to me in all of Scripture is in the um, the uh, Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 7, around about verse 13, I think. And he starts talking about the narrow and the broad gate and make sure basically you're in the right path. You're in the right, you've went through the right gate because the broad gate looks like the right gate. It, it appears the characteristics of the right gate. And it appears that you've come now down the road of easy believism. And it leads to what? It leads to hell, destruction. Yeah, yeah. And you need to make sure that you're in it. And those sad words where he literally says they, they respond back to him. Well, we've done this and we've done that. And he responds, depart. I never knew. I you. never knew you. And it's then like I always say, those not, are religious people. Those are, it's not like he didn't know them because he, he knows everything, but he never knew them intimately. Sure. He never had an intimate relationship as they walked and communed with him. And we lost that communion. When at, when the fall of the garden, we lost that ability to commune with him. When I, when, when sin enters through Adam and Eve, we lost that, but we are restored to communion with him through the atoning work of Jesus Christ. But those people miss out on that reestablishment of the communion with God. I'm glad you brought that up because I think a lot of people miss the idea of that verse that weeping and gnashing, it's not that they are combined in the same person. No, it's two different compartments. It's showing you divisions of hell. Yeah. I believe in the div- div- compartmentalization of hell, just as I believe in the divisions of of heaven. We're even told in that mystical part of Revelation about this sort of cube of New Jerusalem, whatever that's supposed to mean, the idea that there are rooms inside it. We're not all in the same spot, even in heaven. We're not all in the same same position in in the kingdom of God on the earth during the t- that time, you know? When heaven and hell are joined, heaven and hell, I'm sorry, when heaven and earth are joined in the new heavens and new earth, it's going to be great and glorious, but we're not all the same. I thought you were a universalist. There it's like we're not going to all have the same, yeah. Heaven and hell enjoyed. I'm sorry, I was just misspeaking. <laughs> but uh, slip of the tongue. But we are all going to therefore be saved, and we will never die. So we've got that going for us. But but we'll we're not all going to be equal. We weren't equal here, and we're not equal there. By the way, the problem with wokeism today, this 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 view, this critical view, is that we don't want equality. We want equity. Yeah. How scary is that? In other words. You get up early in the morning and you go to work and you work a hot, sweaty job. I get up later in the morning and I work later in the day. And I'm going to be honest with you, I've got a cushy job now that I'm retired and I don't do much. And uh, I mean, I shouldn't say that if my boss ever hears this, but, uh, but no. I know his son listens to this podcast. Sorry, Nick. What I mean is I work, but my work is not as physically demanding as you. It's different. But should I make the same amount as you? I don't think so. And I don't. 
And I'm not going to demand that I be paid the same as you. We don't put the same amount of hours in or the same amount of effort. I'm not bragging on you, but you work a, a job that I honestly couldn't do and well, don't want to do. I have no interest in it. Well, and the other thing is, I think we're, we're... But equity says, and that's what critical theory, that's what that part of, I was saying earlier about the, the feminist and the postmodern views of critical theory and also the Marxist views, is that we all have to be treated the same. We have to be treated equal. Equal means we all have the same rights under law. We're recognized as human beings, distinctive individuals, but also collectively we're all human. Sure. So we all have the same inalienable rights, sure. things that can't be alienated by the government. That was the whole purpose, by the way, of that blessed thing we call the Constitution, and prior to that, the, the uh, Declaration of Independence that our forefathers did here in the United States. It was based on that concept that, yeah, under the law of God, we're all equal in the sense that we are equally culpable for what we do bad, and we're also equally have the same right to be able to pursue our passions, be able to pursue making a living. It's no guarantee that you'll make a living. No. Look under the Jewish system. They had to provide for the ones that were the lepers and the poor and the widows and orphans, right? They were they were told to do that. That's great. And the church, by the way, was told to provide for its own widows and orphans. Sure. And if you look at the history of the early church, they were the ones that went out and did did stuff, mission work in the surrounding and area we do of, of the Roman now. Empire. You know what the church did? I know I mentioned this, I think, in the very last episode or, or the one prior to that. I'm not sure which, but I know I've said this before. But if you'll do a little church history, you're going to understand that that early church living in the Roman Empire were the ones that rescued babies that were exposed to be to be allowed to die. Infanticide, well, their form of abortion, which occurred after birth. And they also were the ones, so they would adopt these children and raise them as their own. Christians were ostracized and poor for the most part. But it's worse than that. A Roman father, when the baby was born, he, um, I, you check me on my history of this, but I'm pretty sure I'm, I'm going off, I'm going off tongue and cheek here off memory. Um, a Roman father, when, when the baby was born, had the ability to either accept or reject that child. That's right. Okay. So when that if baby was, was born. there was some defect or he was one of them. It doesn't matter. And it was a girl. It doesn't he, matter. He there could, could be no defect. Yeah. If he just didn't want the child, he had the ability to reject that child. So if he turned his back, then he rejected that child. Okay, so what then happened to that child? There was a new. They were either, like you said, set outside to be exposed to the exposed elements. to the elements. They were slaughtered in the in the Roman games, if you will, for lack of a better term. Yeah. They were immediately took to the prostitution brothels, and they were brought into that. Brought up to be a child okay. prostitute. So the view of children in this time was absolutely terrible. And then you have these Christians going around trying to save these children. Which James tells us in his epistle, the one that cares for the the two things he gives, widows and orphans. Yeah. He's writing to the Jews that are dispersed. Yes. And he's writing to those that are just, if I'm thinking correctly, correct me if I'm wrong, or post or right toward the end of Nero, I think, time yeah. frame. They're living in a horrible time. They're living in a horrible persecuted time. They're saving these babies. And he literally tells, those are the ones that are Christians that do this work. James says, you're doing the work of God. You're doing the work of God. When you do this, you're doing this for Jesus. You're yes. doing this as Jesus would have. Yeah. And what did Jesus constantly do in his earthly ministry? He healed the sick, he healed the lame, he even raised the dead. He did so many things, but he was constantly surrounded by children and they were brought to him and they loved him. And when the disciples tried to keep him away, he'd go, no, don't hinder them to come to me. This is the kingdom of heaven. And by Man. the way, I think there's some eschatological things to do with that, but I won't go into that today. Well, the other thing is I think about you you want to know how he looks at kids? You want to know how he looks at them? What does he tell you? If you hinder one of them, 
but it's better that you have that. I think that millstone roughly weighed, I'm thinking it was two to 500 pounds. It would have been pulled yes. by a donkey. Right. It would have been pulled to, by that to, an, to burst grind, of beast of bird. To grind the grain. To grind the grain. It is better that that is tied around your neck and you are flung into the abyss, the deepest part of the ocean. Mm-hmm. That's a better end result than what's going to happen. Than to what's going to happen. At the judgment. And that is a terrible, awesome, awesome thought, isn't it? It is scary. It's, it's scary. So if you hinder but them, we have pedophiles on the streets today in our country and around the world now, especially in Europe and areas like that. They're letting them out because inter, you know oh, it goes back to that thing that lady did on a TED talk from Interpol. A she is a it, oh if profiler. it gets in the dictionary, she, the she, medical dictionary, we're done. Uh, she did the point that said pedophilia and pederasty is not a choice. They're born that way, and how would you feel if you were told that the fact that you desire your wife and to be married to your wife is immoral and illegal? How would you feel, she says. In a sense. She spent her life working to track these people down as a member of Interpol to stop child trafficking rings in Europe. Come on. In a sense. This is a professional law enforcement person saying, "We we ought to take another look at it and make it legal. In a sense, they were born that way, but when I say that, they were born in Sin. sin. Yeah. The Look, only thing is seen is for repentance. I made the statement to my wife uh, either yesterday or this morning. I can't remember. Days just fly by. But I make the statement about all this stuff going on, and I was talking about some things, and I said, how does a human get to that point? Oh, it was something to do with a serial killing. And I said, how does a person get to that point? And I said, the only thing I can think of is this. If a man or a woman is left long enough in their sin, they don't get saved, and they're left long enough in their vices, especially of a sexual nature, that's the end result. That's the end result, that you don't even care. You don't even see humans as human. Well, there just, becomes it's a, just a fetish. It's just an animal. It's just something, to, an object to possess. Well, if you look at the serial killers, if you look at uh, uh, Bundy or oh, what was the guy that with his mom that Hannibal Lecter was half-based on? I, went, I can see his face. Is Ed Gein. Ed Gein, thank Who you. dug up corpses and yeah, other things. Up, yeah. If you look at them, it, they do this, then that's not enough. Then they do this, and, and that's escalates. not enough. It just keeps escalating until there's no end. Yeah, there's just no end before it happens. And I'm not saying that everyone who ever in their life looks at a pornographic image or, or a naked picture and lust in their heart is going to wind up becoming a a, a pedophile or a or, or a serial murderer no. or rapist. But I will say this: it is still sin, and it will lead down a path if left to your own devices, especially a lost person. And here's the thing to understand: this we began to covet those things. And like you're saying, it's an escalation. You go from pornography to something a little harder to something a little harder. Next thing you know, it's child pornography and bestiality and et cetera, et cetera. Until the next thing you know, you're actually hanging out in the parks and the playgrounds. Well, and you look at some of the people now, higher profile that we're seeing, and no names here, arrested for child pornography. This is, I mean, very recent as of, you know, uh, May 14th. Yeah. uh, Very recent, higher profile. Yeah. Uh, I'm not talking about evangelical. I'm talking about in the world. In the world, yes. I mean, there's some very, uh, very some, high people. There's some sick stuff going on. Various, and to be honest with you, we have really just scratched the surface. Oh, I know. We everything. we could go on and on, and we're already, wow, well past the hour. We're heading towards the. 90 minute mark. We're not there, but we're getting close. I don't know how to shut Sounds this. Sounds like my sermon. I don't know how to shut this down, to be honest with you. I guess. You know, I'm going to shut it down with a bit of humor. Okay. Uh, if we could do this. We were talking about compartmental, and I reminded of a joke. Might as well, because we just talked about well, the one thing that irritates me more than anything, well, which is crimes against children. So I, I'll, I'll, I'll never forget, there was a, in, in church, one morning, there was a very fitting joke that was told prior to service we were doing, the, uh, uh, you know, the announcement thing. And, uh, 
which we do at the first. I really like that. We did get it out of the way, do the announcements, sing your songs, and then we get to the the exaltation of Christ and Squirrel. the uh, and uh, and uh, you're chasing rabbits again. No, no, no. I'm being serious. I mean, I'm, I'm being serious. We we get to well, you you do the announcements, know the state affairs, and all of a sudden it's. Um, let's sing. Let's exalt. Let's let's expose it. Great. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm I'm I know it sounds like squirrel, but I'm really not. But he told a joke one morning, and the joke was um, talking about compartmentals and all the compartments of heaven and all that. And he says, uh, "This guy gets to heaven, and he he gets there, and he walks up with Saint Peter, and he goes, uh, What's that? What's that wall over there in that ladder?' And hey, don't, don't worry about that. Come on, I'll show you over here. Come on, let's go over here. And he walks around, looks over here, and the guy keeps looking back. He's like, hey, "What's that? That ladder and wall, man." And he said, I'm telling you, don't just don't worry about that. Just let it be. Just come on up. I'll show you over here. A little while later, he's like, what is the ladder? Man, I'm telling you, just don't worry about the ladder. Forget about the ladder exists. So St. Peter goes away, and he's like, you know what? I'm going to know what's over that ladder. Of course, I guess sin still exists in heaven at this point. It's about the joke. But he climbs up the ladder, and he looks over the ladder, and there's just a party and dancing going on. And, and he, he, he kind of looks down, and all these people are excited. He comes back down, and he goes, what's going on over there? He goes, you went to climb with the wall. Oh, I want to know what's going on. He goes, oh, no, I guess I'll tell you. He goes, that's the Baptists. Be quiet, though. They're the only one. They think they're the only one that's here. So, <laughs> so, so, uh, we are so cruel to Baptists sometimes. Oh, uh, well, you, we you are. You one. wouldn't think that we were one. We are one. I mean, you know, we so cruel name to Baptists. Only. I'm in name only. Well, we are so cruel. And we don't mean that in cruelty to Baptists. We really don't. It, you know, it's, you want to talk about traditions. Woo. Yeah, well, they and, are very uh, traditional, and, and and but we are part of the SBC, and and we're fine with that. And for now, for for now, as long as um, here's my well, thing. This, hold on, let me back up. That is my problem. This podcast is not part of the SBC. No, it is not. <laughs> and, and I will say this: this 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 thing about us currently being affiliated with with Southern Baptist Convention, as far as the how long we I go don't to, know how long that will last. At the type of church we're willing to go to, I think there's going to come a time that the SBC is going to split again. I really do. I think it's sooner rather than later. I'm it hearing happened, a couple. It's already happened once in my lifetime. I think it's going to happen again. Well, I'm hearing a couple different splits. You know, from the rumblings, one says it'll go more the reform way, and then one will go more the uh, I, I, the Al Mohler way, uh, is what they call it. You know. Yeah. <laughs> I guess. You know. Now we're we're Mohler Mohlerist. I guess. <laughs> well, I like you Al Mohler. I, listen I to love his Al I recommend Mohler. his podcast, The Briefing. And I like the other one where he does the thinking longer in, talks, thinking in public. That's great. Is speaking in public or thinking in public? It's thinking one in public, I believe. And he does some great interviews with secular people and secular yes. theologians. And oh, he's, he's, he's had atheists on there. But I, I, you know, there's a couple of different thoughts whether it'll go a reform to a. Uh, it's not. I don't want to say Armenian. That's not what it is. But basically, a more woke. Yeah. And a more reform. I, I don't think it's going to be that thing. I think it'll be a conservative, liberal split. I think is where it'll be. But I'll be honest with you, we just devour our own, it seems the, like, anymore. The problem with liberal Christianity is all you got to do is take a look at places like the Lutherans and and the Episcopalians and go to the actual churches and you find less than 50 people there on a Sunday morning. They dissolve over time. Well, Who needs that? After a while, if you are just something in name only, and then after a while you realize, wait, they're not teaching anything. It's They're just giving us a homily about how to act the following week, and or they're teaching on something that we can watch on a news show. What's the point? What's the point well, going to, what's the point in quote going to church? And we have the SBC meeting. So they become dead. Annual meeting coming up in a month or so or whatever, I think. And it's gonna be interesting to see what happens, A, with the presidency. Yeah, uh, who gets elected? Gets at, because we have Well Moeller's running. Moeller's running, but you've got people to the right of Moeller, people way to the left of Moeller, you've got a kind of a moderate running. But the other thing that I'm really curious to see what's gonna happen. 
there's a church whom shall remain nameless that is in the SBC, Huge. loosely affiliated. Largest church. Largest church. Involved in that. Involved in the SBC. Uh, um, Which means money. Rhymes with Battle Rack. It, um, they just ordained three women pastors, but then if I read right, it said they were not elders. So I don't understand that distinction because in Scripture we see that as the same yeah. Same office, so I don't know. I would like some clarification there to to, yeah, to I, what that is. I don't understand it either, and I, I don't I don't get that because that was a weird weird use of terms of pastor, but not elder. I, I did that that really confused me in the terms. It doesn't take much to confuse me anyway, but that really really did confuse me in terms. So I I don't know what this development is going to. Uh, to hold, I, I don't. I don't know. I don't know whether they break off the SBC on their own. Does the SB? You well, know, now I, we get into the cooperative. They could be. Money. Re, they could technically be removed since every church affiliated ha, who, that is allowed to affiliate must agree with the Baptist faith and message. And the revision of 2000 claims certain things about compatibilism as opposed to egalitarianism. Well, and therefore complementarianism. Complementarianism, uh, and so monetary is they're, the term that. Uh, that's what that's, I... I know. I said big money. That's... Because they're big. Well, because that's the holdup in the... I mean, the revenue from the books he's written over the years. Uh, that's the holdup in the... He's wealthy. In the, in the other denomination right now, the large denomination, the reason why they haven't split is how in the world did they divide up the millions of dollars in the land? That's why they haven't split. And I'm, I'm not going to say that denomination, but they have tried to split, haven't split because they don't know how to divide it up. And right now they're trying to remove one of their main teachers out of an office down south who is a very conservative, great uh, pastor, great expositor, and they're trying to remove him from uh, from his position of the pastor because this denomination controls who's the pastor and, you know, the, the corporate head of the denomination, if you will, they put and they have ordained a lady that is in charge of those churches She's in this the bishop. area. She's the bishop. Yeah, I couldn't think if they called her a bishop or not. But anyway, this church is very large, and they're speaking out against it, and it's one of the old, maybe one of the oldest churches in that denomination. Maybe the oldest church in that denomination. Now there you're talking about a United Methodist Church, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and they're talking about, I mean, that's kind of the reason that denomination really hadn't split its monetary right now. I mean, that's, sure. that's, that's the, it's never been publicly said. That's been the assumption. So... We could rattle on for hours with this. I, I, you know, I think it's well. Here's the thing: we've sort of just scratched the surface, and chances are, I will title this episode as a defining our terms, postmodernism, etc., because the themes that we've talked about will just keep coming up as we go along. Because we're seeing this play out before our very eyes. This is not going away, folks. It's not going away anytime soon. And the problem with being quote woke as a Christian is in intersectionality. And in critical theories, you can never be woke enough. No, it's never going to happen. They're going to change it. Whatever you, you've agreed to today, three weeks from now, they may change the definitions. Three when weeks you, from when now, you you'll cons- be the bad guy. When you, consider, when you consider how quickly, we, how far we've come on things about equality to the point that where now it's not about whether or not girls and women have the right to have their own sports sanction. We've already run past that. Yeah, and that's now, yesterday's you, news. You, you have to have um, children in school who are born one sex, can play on the other sex's team, and I just I just don't get that. We are way beyond what I ever thought I would see culture do, and it's just beginning. In this country, I, I barely recognize the nation that I live in, but you know what? It's not any better in the rest of the world, except in some parts of Africa where conservatism 
in evangelicalism still exists and in in what we think we know about what's going on in China, uh, based on what, what little bit of information gets leaked out, we're not seeing a lot of hope for for Western and East and Central Europe and Eastern Europe. We're not seeing a lot of hope in North America thanks to what's going on in Canada and um, Mexico's been a mess for decades and the US is now falling into the same trap as Canada. I just don't know. I don't know what, what the future holds. It's we never do. We're not prophets. <laughs> Nor do we pretend to be. We don't play one on TV. So, I mean, we we are just sitting here. We're not trying to prognosticate what's going to happen. But what we're trying to do is tell you this. Equip yourself to be ready to give a witness for your faith, no matter what troubles it may bring you. Because you have to be willing, as Peter said, to give an apologia, to give an account, to give a witness, a testimony to those when they ask you to defend your faith. Figure out how to defend your faith. You're, I don't mean with a gun. I don't mean with your fists. I'm talking about with not words, with words that are done in love, not in hate, and words that are done out of respect for a higher authority than any any national or international government or body. Our authority. We are kingdom citizens. We are citizens of heaven, who just happen to be on earth sojourning to this point until our death. So unless God takes us home, we're here, and we need to live as we would live for Him, as if He were standing right in front of us. Here's the challenge. One pastor to other pastors, if you're listening. Be bold. Stand and proclaim the gospel. Yep. Do not back down. Do it with love. Preach the truths as they come. Preach the hard truths as they come. And be bold and lead the flock as you're so called to do by God. And hey, let the chips fall where they may. And... We don't know who's going to hear that word and be converted because of it. No. You let they fall where they may. Have faith in God. You do not do the work... Of the Holy Spirit, you proclaim the gospel. Uh, I just said this here a while back in a sermon. Yeah, and I did. think I, I, we we actually are probably going. I think we're going to post it. We're yeah, gonna, we're going to see about. We're going to we're going to post the it. Will give us the audio. Yeah, we're going to we're going to ask for the audio. Has been we've been, I've been asked to if I would post it, and I I just think that's a, the right been, thing to do. So I said this: you have in Acts chapter five, the apostles are arrested are arrested. They are supernaturally released out of prison by the Holy Spirit. We don't know how. It's never talked about. Go, stand, speak. Yeah, That's your whole assignment. Go, stand, and speak. Speak what? The words of life. What are the words of life? The gospel. Yeah. That's it. Amen. That's all we are supposed to do as pastors. That is your challenge as a pastor, as a preacher. Go, stand, and speak the words of life. And I think that's a perfect place to end it. Jalen, take us home. Um, if you would, thank you for joining us today. We are honored to be able to do this. Uh, continue to pray for the ministry as we... Uh, continue to just host this podcast, continue to keep doing that. We ask your prayers. Uh, if you have any questions or comments, if you would, please email them to comments. That is comments, plural, at dumbspeak.com. Once again, that is comments at dumbspeak.com. And I will give a shout-out that I haven't given a shout-out. Thank you to your son for the music once again. We oh, haven't yeah. thanked you in a while. Man, done a great job creating us an intro. And uh, we love you guys. We are praying for you, as I hope you're praying for us. Thank you. Thank you. God bless.